Welcome to the Changelog, episode 0.0.9er. This is, uh, what, uh, like the third week into January now. It's a brand new year, but uh, my name's Adam Stachowiak, and I also have my co-pilot with me. His name is... Wynne Netherland. This is the news section of the show. Marshall Culpepper from Accelerator Titanium stuck around, and we discussed the news and events of the week. Kind of caught up over the Christmas break. Some entertaining stuff in there. Yeah, some small entertaining stuff. I think the the fun one there was uh, was a small discussion around um, Sea of Clouds Fix Me project, right? Which we are still waiting on details from that contest to see how it turned out. Stay yeah. tuned; we'll be announcing the winners in an upcoming episode. I guess the play there is too is if anybody has anything fun like that, that they want to try to branch out to a larger audience. Uh, definitely let us know. We'll we'll tweet about it. We'll probably plug it on the blog and help you however we can if you're. Essentially, putting a bounty out there to solve a problem using crowdsourcing, you know, it's a fun thing, right? That's right. But anyways, I guess we don't really have much to say. I guess all the content is in the news, so we should allow them to grace their ears with our voices. (laughs) Let's get to it. All right. Well, Marshall's kind enough to stick around and run through the news of the – usually the news of the week, but this is going to be more like the news of the month since we took off for the Christmas holiday. Uh, so thanks, Marshall. But running through this, um, let's, um, let's take a look and start with the Fix Me repo from Sea of Clouds. And Sea of Clouds is one of my favorite. They um, have created the Tweet uh, jQuery plugin I use in a lot of applications, more than I care to admit. Um, so I noticed that they created a repo called Fix Me, and – basically asked crowdsourcing uh, help for a layout issue in CSS. And he lists the requirements here, fixed width and centered content sidebar, yada, 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 down the, uh, the deal. And it has to work in Firefox 3 Plus and Safari 3 Plus, bonus points for IE 7 and 8. So what do you think of this open source bounty to uh, help with a particular edge case layout issue? I think that's really awesome, actually. I mean, I think the way, you know, if, if you know, these guys can help out developers who are, you know, unemployed or even just looking for some extra cash right now. I mean, that's, that's a really cool idea. Um, and, you know, it looks like the CSS issue is non-trivial, so it'll at least get some gear spinning up there. <laughs> well, I noticed when I posted the, uh, the article, it had a couple of forks, and now up to 13. Of course, this is a month later. I'd be interested to... Uh, I'm trying to find an update on this since it's almost a month ago of if uh, the problem was fixed and there was a winner to this, uh, to this bounding. It's up on fixme.heroku.com if... You're listening at home and want to want to check it out. I I actually hadn't heard anything else back by this. Like even I haven't been listening to Twitter heavily, but have you heard any news about any anybody giving a good try? I have not. I have not. So um, I would say probably then the fail. Well, not that it's a fail, but the fail I guess on the on maybe maybe it's my part. It could be my fail. Is that uh, you know you ask the community for involvement, but then you don't communicate back to the community. Maybe we need to check uh, Sea Cloud's Twitter stream to see if the, the updates were via that channel. Interesting, nonetheless. Like even the repo, you know, even the repo has no sure. nothing at all. Not even a readme, but uh, that's fine. Right. Did you guys see this one? Short wiki, a simple SMS-based wiki using Google Voice. Um, <laughs> this is a, con- a contrived example of uh, using Google Voice, but if either of you uh, have a Google Voice account played with it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I do. I like it that it rings every phone that you got, you know, simultaneously. And I know there's other services out there to, that do it, but the uh, how many phones do you have, Win? 
<laughs> I've got at least two. <laughs> no, what I also like about it is the way that you can mask your mobile number and hand out your Google Voice number. And that way, if, uh, it's kind of like a layer of abstraction, right? <laughs> if you don't want to hand out your mobile, mobile number, you can just get out the, uh, the Google Voice number. And I found uh, one of the coolest features about Google Voice when you sign up is that you can pick your own phone number. And uh, yeah. most exchanges uh, are available, and I was able to get one that had the same last four as my main number, but uh, had a different exchange, which was easy to remember because I'm getting up in years and can't remember as many numbers as I used to get. So the exchange is that the first three or the second three? It's the second three. Okay. Air, get the area code, the exchange, and then the, uh, the last yeah, four. Of course, area code. Jeez, what, what's wrong with me? <laughs> I couldn't get seven one three. I'm here in Houston, and, and I think I got eight three two, which is sort of your debunked version of Houstonians' uh, area code choices, but uh, whatever. I was going to say, I like the fact that you know, if I ever have a marketer or anyone telling me that, you know, I can just screen them if they're not on my contact list. Which I, you know, I use that whenever I can. <laughs> you know, and it also includes text texting, which is cool. I texted Adam from it the other day, and he. Oh yeah, you. yeah, it's totally true. I'm glad you mentioned that. Oh, yeah. While I was uh, while I was traveling to Canada, when I was up in Canada, I, I didn't, I had internet access, but I would have to pay more for it on my phone, traveling. So rather than text from my phone, I'd uh, stop at a Holiday Inn, steal their Wi-Fi temporarily, jump onto Google Voice, and send an SMS to like family and friends to say I'm okay. <laughs> That's kind of funny. Well, my wife and I have, we both have Google Voice numbers, and we've gotten to the point now where we, we text solely through Google Voice. We don't, like, even through our cell phones, we go to the Google Voice little central server or whatever. We've just gotten so used to it. We don't, that way you can move your conversation between your phone and your, you know, your voice webpage and everything. So, <laughs> oh, wow. I didn't ask you in the interview, do you own a Droid? Because that's one of the selling points for that platform is the integrated Google Voice that I saw. Um, no, I own an iPhone right now, so. Anybody in your team, I guess, that you got to laying around the office to, to test things Anybody out. Anybody have a like, Nexus One? Um, no one has a Nexus One yet, but they have ordered it. My uh, So Don is the guy that works on Android, um, and he's here in Dallas as well. And he, um, I think he has all the Android phones right now, except for the like the Droid Aris, I think. He doesn't carry them uh, all around, does he? No, he, he just has them in his test environment. He carries a G1 on his person, I think. Just had a mental picture of the Geek Squad guy that's got the utility right. belt with the five cell phones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I would imagine that Google should have sent you guys. I mean, when I say should, I mean since you're developing for various mobile platforms and supporting their platform, they should have sent you a Nexus One just to get you guys to buzz about it. Well, you know, we have um, some of Jeff is Jeff Haney is our CEO, and um, he has friends in Mountain View that just kind of give him free phones a lot. Um, but we don't we don't have an official relationship with Google or Apple or anyone, so. Yeah, you know, it's kind of part of the cost of doing business. So, <laughs> so next up is Persistence. It's a high-level persistence database system for Node.js, and we can't say Node.js without Adam spelling Node.js because it's my accent that right. the thing I say Node.js. So n o d e dot js, like yeah, a that's tree right. node. So uh, this is like a um, cross backend persistence layer for Node.js that hits Postgres, SQLite, Mongo. Uh, and Jason DB, have you done any Node.js, or is it just uh, kind of? Well, you mentioned it earlier. Why this is separate from the news, but back in the actual interview, he was, he was raving about Node.js, wasn't he? Were yeah, you Marshall? I, mean, I, I think. Oh yeah, I think it's an amazing project. Um, just in terms of what it's doing, you know, because it, it's integrated well with V8. 
Um, it's really fast, and the API is nice, and you know, there's not too many things to say that are bad about it. I haven't used it too much other than kind of you know playing around with it, but you know, I, I hope to find a use for it soon because I, I really like it. So when we talked with Steven, he was wondering why people would want to do this kind of stuff, I guess, at the client level, or sorry, on the, on the server level, right? Because Node.js is on the server, right? Mm-hmm. What, well, what are your just, feelings about that? Like, why? Because uh, if you can write, because his, his answer back was, if I could write Ruby, or if I can write JavaScript, which would I rather write? And, and when you even said, I'd rather write Ruby. Well, I, I think it's just, I think it's, you know, people growing, you know, coming out of college now are, are increasingly using JavaScript for everything. And, you know, obviously we're seeing the web move that way. We're seeing pretty much everything move that way. And I think it's just a matter of time before JavaScript is kind of everywhere. And, you know, there were, there were attempts like a decade ago to write, you know, server-side JavaScript uh, stuff. There was like a Netscape product. I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. Um, that did server-side JavaScript. But at that time, you know, JavaScript was a toy language. No one took it seriously. Um, and I think that perception has changed. You know, I think people are doing serious things now with JavaScript, and I think people enjoy the language, they enjoy the syntax, um, whatever. And I think this is kind of the next natural extension of that. Is that on your tongue? You're going to say um, Jay Rezig's quote? <laughs> no, I wasn't. No. Thanks for reminding <laughs> me that, that JavaScript's the... Uh, uh, the frumpy girl from from high school that's now incredibly hot and smart ten years later, Absolutely. right? You know, but you were asking me um, which I prefer to write, and based solely on syntax, I would have to say Ruby. Um, but you've also got to recognize that JavaScript's probably the most embedded language in the world, I would think. And there's uh, VM layers that you know JavaScript can target that are incredibly fast just because they've been out around for a while. So, but you know, another angle of the story, Marshall, is of the um, backends that this persistence store uh, targets, two of them are relational and two of them are schema-free. Have you done any schema-free development? Because it seems like I find myself doing more and more schema-free. Um, is that like the... Uh, is that What is that? The, um, NoSQL. Is that kind of like, yeah, exactly. Well, they do have queries, right? But they're not necessarily SQL. They're, like, they're more URL-based or whatever, REST-based. Right. And it's usually you know, kind yeah. of like hashes in the sky in memory stores. Um, yeah for the most part, document uh, storages. But you know, that would be killer if you in Titanium could have something like a MongoDB embedded or something where, uh, you know, a couch even, where you had a... I know you got SQLite um, on the, uh, in the browser in, in WebKit, but, you know, not having to uh, know your scheme up front is just incredibly powerful. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I, I have done a little bit of development with that. I did some um, Amazon... DB stuff, which is it was okay. Um, I definitely like the aspect, like you said, to be able to rapidly prototype the database. Just kind of throw objects with properties up there, and you don't have to worry about what the schema is or you know prototyping, you know modifying. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, SQL, which is never fun. Um, yeah, I, I really, I really think I know we have one community member um, who was trying to embed CouchDB and Erlang into Titanium. So that'd be interesting to see if we could get that off. That'd be Really cool. I think the main the main reason we haven't integrated any databases other than SQLite um, is just for the sheer aspect of the size of them. Um, you know, a database isn't a small thing. Even CouchDB is not that small. Um, the runtime is rel- relatively large, and you know one of the technical challenges we have on desktop, at least, is that whenever we distribute an app, we have to distribute 
everything with it. Um, that way, when the end user installs the app, you know they don't have to go download the runtime or the you know we don't we want to stay away from the Java world as much as possible when it comes to like you know if you have to, if you want to install this app you have to install all these dependencies we don't we don't want that um, so you know we have to kind of play it safe with regards to you know what we allow to be embedded by default. That being said, you know it's technically possible to do that out of the box as it is today. We just I just don't know if we'll do it by default in the you know the base platform. Gotcha. Any of these links that uh, tickle your fancy, Adam? Uh, well, yeah, I think we're talking about JavaScript a little bit, and it might not be too high level. It kind of turns into jQuery at this point, but uh, a little further up you see jQuery.behavior, and I'm not sure when if you said you use this or not, but I'm curious just you know how you guys feel about being able to reference. I guess this is more like a macro, right? It's being able to easily just reference something else to make a bunch of other stuff happen. Yeah, I think it's just a way to uh, organize your your jQuery because you know one of the things that I found in switching from prototype and, and embracing jQuery, um, prototype had the notion of classes and it was more object oriented in its approach to uh, JavaScript, even though JavaScript's more object based than object oriented. But uh, this aims to provide a way to kind of group up your your scripts and and repackage certain chunks of them. Um, but this is another project that the um, uh, the homepage is, is really where to go to get the, the info on this particular project. The, we mentioned the scarce readme earlier. This one's even even plainer. Uh, basically, no information on the on the repo itself. Yeah, I think a note to anybody: if you're going to put something out there, if you if you're not going to put something deep and informational, be funny. At least oh, that, at least entertain, right? That's a great segue into probably our last item, which is um, configliary. Lightweight configuration management for Ruby. Um, I haven't checked out the code on this one. It could be total crap, but it looks solid. But I would post it for the humor and the reading. Total crap, huh? It could be total crap. I'm sure it's fine code. Actually, it looks pretty solid. I'm saying yeah. I just I uh, this one I would have posted for the humor and the reading, regardless if uh, the code was less than stellar. But it looks like. Pretty solid code as well. Go ahead and read it off. What's the, what's the readme? It was funny. So, Configulary uh, provides discrete configuration for Ruby scripts, and they named it after Configulary, the um, known uh, role on certain mob teams, if you've seen The Godfather, things of that sort. So, I thought the, the name was cute. had a lot of uh, examples in the readme, which is also a plus, but I always find humor when people make movie references in uh, their code examples, and in this case, it was Back to the Future. Um, if you scroll down about halfway, there's settings.default, and the destination time is November 5th, 1955. It's when Doc Brown emits the flux capacitor, and so every uh, configuration setting here is a movie reference, which I find entertaining. But it doesn't take much to amuse me, as you well know. <laughs> so they got the speed is 88, DeLorean, power source, plutonium. <laughs> That's right. That's awesome. Rose needed, true. <laughs> so, uh, th- you know, that's a... Um... You know what, before we go, I-, I love the I love what programming does to people's minds, especially if you're an engineer. It, it allows you to, you know, truly have some joy in your craft. Like, it- to take something like that that we've all grown up with, like, it's-, it's our era. But to be able to inject that into your daily life and contribute to open source but also have fun with it, I think that's a blessing, man. I mean, that's that's awesome. Oh, for sure. You know, especially I mean, having the creativity to do it, just to think like that. That's, that's, I love it. You know, it's the, the creativity also, and 
providing that information. And so, you know, the adoption of your open source projects going to uh, usually thrive the more documentation or the more examples that you can give uh, so that people that come behind you can actually know how to consume that. So, you know, one of the things that struck me about the Titanium projects was the Code Strong website. So, Marshall, can you talk a little bit about how, why the domain and, and uh, how that whole uh, documentation site came about? Oh, yeah. Um, actually, Code Strong was something that we had before we even started Titanium. It was just a, it was just, it was a, a uh, the bracelet, one of the bracelets I was talking about. It says Accelerator on one side, and on the other side it says Code Strong. And, you know, the whole idea was just like, you know, it's just kind of a little phrase that we like that we kind of paired with our company. Um, and so we bought the domain early on. And then when we released Titanium, we realized, oh, CodeStrong could be actually a cool domain for documentation. So <laughs> we just threw up our docs there. And uh, it worked out pretty well. So who maintains these documentations? The developer as themselves, or do you have somebody on staff that, that helps out with that? Um, it's, it's kind of a group effort. Um, we... Uh, most of the API docs are all based in source code. So when we write when we write APIs uh, on the lower level in C++, you know that all gets parsed by a little script, and then that gets thrown up onto the site. Um, and then we have other parts of the documentation which are like guides, and you know mostly uh, human created. And those, um, you know, we we have all created some of that. Um, I've created a few guides. Martin has created a few guides. Uh, Don and Blaine from the mobile side have created some guides. So. Uh, and Jeff, our CEO, and Nolan, our CTO, have also created guides. So I think we're all just kind of in there with our fingers as, as much as we possibly can. You know, obviously we code a lot too. Um, and we also have some com- community members who have been helping us out with content. So it's kind of like I said, group effort. <laughs> it's kind of wiki style too, which is, you know, we were hoping to get some help with that because it's it's hard to when we're working on code all day to prioritize docs as well. So. I almost wanted to ask you that earlier when we were in the interview part of this, but because um, you said you got basically a two-man team on Titanium desktop and a two-man team on mobile, and mm-hmm. you know what room do you have in there? Not just for planning, uh, you know, you probably have continued learning going on too because you don't always know everything and how to solve every problem. But then you also have oh, documentation yeah. so that you have this thriving community falling behind you to pick up this 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 project you're working on and do something with it. You know, that's a huge, huge feat, man. Yeah, it's um, like I said. When I say we work twenty four seven, it's not much of an exaggeration. I mean, I sleep, and I have you know, I have a new daughter that I try to pay attention to from time to time. But, oh man, yeah. <laughs> you know, like it's it's hard. You know, it, um, you know, ten twelve hour workdays are the common, uh, and working weekends is pretty common. Um, you know, it's just the way it is right now, and it's just, it's kind of the startup ethic. You know kind of work as hard as you possibly can until you get something that makes some money. <laughs> right. So. Right. Well, I can tell you that, uh, you know, the community certainly appreciates your efforts, and I'm sure that the, you know, the year of the mobile, whatever year it actually ends up on, certainly appreciates what you guys are working on and, and how cool it is. You know, one, you mentioned swag before earlier. Is there, um, is there any way we can maybe uh, point people to the right direction to just get some swag from from Accelerator, is this is it uh, something you could just give away? How does it work? Um, like the you mentioned co- the code strong wristbands, like that could be like the you know the Gary V wristbands, you know, where he's you know, <laughs> got his little his little Vaniac army. Oh, I love Gary Vaynerchuk. <laughs> um, yeah, um, I think you might be able to just um, send a DM to, or maybe not a DM, just a public reply or whatever to Accelerator uh, on Twitter. Um, 
because that's where our marketing guy runs is run, runs all the swag stuff from. So gotcha. I think I'm sure we have enough uh, wristbands. I know we have enough of those because we <laughs> we got so many of them. Uh, you strong. have to mention the act, uh, the changelog show to get yeah. the swag. That's right. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> changelog show and and the phrase code strong. Maybe hashtag <laughs> hashtag it. Absolutely, that's a great idea. Code strong. That's awesome. I like that. Uh, that's a very cool phrase. And it's even cooler that you put your docs up there. So just basically send a Twitter message to Accelerator, referencing changelog show, and hashtag it with code strong, and you got yourself a wristband. Well, I'll have to verify that, but yeah, hopefully. <laughs> Let us know. We'll cut this to... out if, if, if you can't yeah. come. Yeah. I think that about wraps it up, though, man. The, the news is awesome this time, even though it wasn't too deep, and we had about a month of news in that, you know, that 20 or 30 minutes there. Yeah, thanks so much, Marshall. Appreciate it. Well, thank you for coming on the show. Be cool. Thank you for listening to this edition of The Changelog. Be sure to tune in weekly for what's fresh and new in open source. Also, visit thechangelog.com to follow along, subscribe to the feed, and more. Thank you for listening. I found myself for the first time.